Hello listeners of Control-Alt-Delete, I'm back and I'm here with another episode. Today's guest, episode number 70, is Melissa Hemsley. She is a food lover and one half of the Hemsley sisters. They're cookbook authors and writers with a London cafe called Hemsley and Hemsley at Selfridges and a Channel 4 TV series that celebrates great ingredients and easy home cooking. They've written a lot for Vogue and The Guardian and lots of other places that you can find online. Melissa's new book is called Eat Happy. 30 minute feel good food and it's out in 2018 so keep your eye out for that one she is committed to bold simple healthy food and it's around accessible ingredients and recipes that everyone can get involved with and cook melissa is passionate about cutting down on food waste transforming leftovers and spreading love through food which we talk about a lot on this podcast and she's proud to have worked with cook for syria and headtalks.com which is a place you can go to to find inspiring talks on mental health and well-being and she's a judge for the YBFs, Young British Foodies. So on this podcast, we talk about how much we love food, mental health, meditation, the sociable aspect of eating and food. And I sort of confess to my own judgments around healthy food. <laughs> we have a really good, honest chat about the food industry and about well-being as a whole. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. And here is the interview. I went round to Melissa's lovely house and we had coffee and we had a chat. And that's the best way to do these things. Here it is. Hello, Melissa Hemsley. Hello, Emma Gannon. <laughs> we just did some voice exercises, didn't we? I always do my intro slightly different, however I'm feeling, but I'm feeling like I want to talk like a radio host today. So we first met at the Google panel. Yes, we did. And I felt a bit out of my comfort zone because I don't know anything about food. And they were like, come and interview these like three amazing food entrepreneurs. So that you was scary. You were brilliant. You were absolutely brilliant. And that was a great vibe, wasn't it? It was. It's a bit random. It wasn't really really food as well, was it? It was more like how technology fits into our lifestyle. So I found that really interesting. Yeah, we had a vibe. And I was like, I've got to interview her. I know. And I'm I'm glad I've been... um, Am I your number 70? Yeah, you're number 70. Number 70, yes. I can't believe I've done that many, but... You should be very proud. It's a special moment. So you have so many strands to your bow. Wait, that's not a phrase. Bows to your strand? <laughs> you have so many. No, you have a lot of things going on in your career, is what I mean. Isn't um, it? Isn't it the um, thing of thing, master of none? Aren't we really good at our... Um... <laughs> uh, Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades, master of none. That's it. Which I don't believe in that. I believe that like we all have multiple skills yeah. and we're all just kind of executing them in different ways. Yeah. Because your So your sole thing is you are... I guess, one of the faces of the new food philosophy of eating well and feeling better. And feeling better. Yeah. 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 Um, well, it's funny because when you said about the food thing, um, you know, you said I'm no expert on food. I used to think that about food. I remember growing up obsessed with Ready Steady Cook all over Naked Chef Jamie Oliver, Didn't but didn't really cook. I was, you know, really into watching food and the idea of food and dinner parties. I remember watching, I think, a Jamie Oliver episode or a Nigella episode and thinking... When I'm older, I'm going to put out a table and people are going to come around and bring me wine and that's going to be like, that's going to be being a grown-up. And But then like, how, how often do we actually have time to cook a three-course meal and sit down? Anyway, I thought being a cook or a chef or anyone in food meant you had to train for years and know everything and then basically speak the French version of it all and go through the training. And when you say you know nothing about food, I think you probably know as much as me in that you know what food you like, you know what good food is and... Being interested and in where you get your food from, I think, is the, the number one key. Um, so much food is delicious. It's not always 
from a great source. It doesn't always make us feel great. And I think it's about just tapping into that. And the older we get, we were just saying, well, we were both knackered. You know, it's the end of the week. We're a bit croaky. We have actually three drinks on the table. We've got <laughs> so six, six mugs on the table. We've got an Ayurvedic tea. <laughs> We've got a really badly made coffee, which is actually cold, and you were being really nice about it, even though it's cold, and a water. Yeah. And um, I definitely am in need of some really good soulful food this week. I can just feel it this weekend. I'm going to just dose up on good food. Well, that's the thing, because it's not, you know, hangovers getting worse, and, (laughs) you know, I wake up feeling hungover if I've eaten too much pasta the night before. I'm realising what food is doing to me. Yeah. I just feel like my body is my friend, and this is the size I'm going to be, and it might go up and it might go down, but at the end of the day my job is so busy that I'm like I just need to get through the day and be my best self yeah and food yeah. will help me do that 100% I, I remember um you know I went to my dad was in the army so we went to a lot of schools and I remember when I ended up at an all-girls school mm. and feeling so self-conscious in a leotard and people were looking at each other and obviously it was the age that we were at compared to the other schools I was at and I remember just feeling completely um I don't know, I'm really saddened that all of I a mean, sudden... I mean, leotards are not forgiving. <laughs> no, leotards... Oh I remember having to wear one when my boobs were like little stumps where they hadn't really Beastings. grown yet. Beastings. <laughs> what? Do you know what? I remember praying to God that my boobs would stop growing, and they did. <laughs> and now I'm furious. <laughs> um, but I remember feeling this kind of loss of innocence that I just was happy in my leotard, and then I realised that I was supposed to care. Well, I thought I was supposed to care. Yeah, for me... I think that um, when you, what did you say? You said one of the faces of food philosophy. I think, I guess every few years, some, someone comes along, someone will come along soon and, I, and we won't be, my sister and I or my sister or, you know, we'll be one of the more established food people and that would be nice to be like one of the old, I already feel like one of the old guns, you know, I'm sort of on my third book now and I see people writing cookery books and I'm always like, oh, you know, not to butt in, but don't, you know, make sure you don't do that, will you? And I never take my own advice. Even on my third book, I'm still doing all the things I should have learned from the first book. But I think good food, good food makes you feel great. And we need it more than ever now. You've got so many, you're just telling me all the projects you've got going on your podcast. There's that constant drive to keep on top and do better. And there's so much to do like this weekend I could I could think of 10 sets of friends I want to see and things I want to accomplish and I saw someone going to a life drawing yesterday and I thought I want that and I think great food makes you feel like you can do so much and when we don't look after our bodies and it's not just food as well I'm really interested in exercise and I sometimes I eat really well and I don't have time to exercise and I feel the difference and I think the number one is sleep we were saying Mm. weren't we but just I'll spend this weekend sleeping my mum and I for Mother's Day we agreed good food Scandi crime drama. Well, that's me, mm. not her. And then loads of sleep. I love that. I love sleep. One of the things I wanted to ask you about food, and this is a person, this is the thing about the podcast that I just ask my own nosy questions, is I'm, I, I get quite intimidated by like lots of crazy ingredients and yeah. things like that. Is that something that you grew to not find so scary? Because I think I'm holding myself back because I'm like, I cut, I'm like, no, not making that. I've never heard of that. Whereas I could go and find it. I think I'm a bit like that. I um, When I go out to a restaurant, I like to eat things I can't make, which is loads of things. <laughs> um, I can't make, make so many things. You know, I love Thai food. I love uh, Asian food. I love curries. I love, um, I, love ton- I love it when you go to a restaurant and someone just, the, the hostess or the chef just 
brings food out and it's things you've never eaten before. And then when I'm at home, I like to make things that are really simple and I can cook without thinking from. I don't ever use recipe books, even my own. I think that's what most cookery writers want want and hope for and most chefs hope for um, when they promote home cooking is you come and eat at the restaurants and have an incredible experience. It's all about the ambiance and the wine and that. But when you go home, have a confidence to just cook what you want to cook. Mm. Um, there's loads of ingredients that I have no idea what to do with. I have one, someone came around my house the other day. Um, as you can see, my kitchen is a, as big as a toilet at the moment because I'm trying to make a kitchen. And I've got a little induction hob and a kettle. And that's kind of all I need at the moment. I've got one knife and that's all I ever have. And someone was shocked and said, don't you have a set of knives? And I thought, well, I wouldn't know what to do with them. Um, but then how do you decide what goes into your books? If you if you kind of experiment so much, how, how are you like, right, this is something that I should put in the book? I test that out on the people I love who, you know, I don't know if you're the same. The people you love are the m- most ferocious of your critics. I mean, I don't ever get upset what, about what anyone might say about me on Twitter because, you know, my mum can just give it to me. <laughs> you know? So I'll, I'll test it on my mum. I'll test it on my boyfriend. I'll test it on my mates. I've got four godchildren. It's very easy with kids as well to know what they like or don't like because they'll spit it out but you'll, you'll slave and they'll <laughs> spit it I like everything I, I, I really I'm excited about the lunch we're going to go to because I have no idea I've heard it's great I have no idea what we're going to get I cook things that I know that I hope people will come back to again and again say you're having a shitty day and it's Wednesday and you're battling through the tube in the rain what dish do you want on your plate that you can sit on the sofa with and watch TV. That's the food I'm, I'm hoping to kind of tap into. Is it like a mixture between like comfort, it's comfort food, yeah. but it's nourishing? It's comfort food. It's comfort food that's nourishing, exactly that. And it's ones that don't make you feel like what? Mm. Like that. I'd, I'd, I'd hope that I try and make food that makes me feel a bit springier than that. You know that feeling of when you're starving and you're stressed and you eat food and it feels so good and you can just feel like all the good mm-hmm. stuff happening but then afterwards you feel like a sack of potatoes and you want to go to bed. Yeah. That's the food I try and avoid because... And is that unique to everyone? Like what will make me probably feel zingy might not make you feel zingy. Totally. Because there's so much out there at the moment. Like when I used to be a journalist I get all these press rooms it's like this isn't good for you, this isn't good for you, this is good for you and I just was like I don't know what to believe anymore. It's very complicated. So it's a personal journey. What do I like and what do I feel good eating? It's exactly that. It is incredibly confusing. Food's become so confusing mm. um you know it's a ginormous industry mm. every industry i was thinking about it on the way here i was like every industry has its kind of horrible bits like as yeah. in all like competitive bits oh like yeah. in my industry it's probably just like people being like oh you're not authentic enough whereas oh. in food it's probably just like oh you're not you know you're i don't know i don't like that you use this word in your cookbook or something yeah I, i'd agree with that i think i think food has become incredibly confusing i think that um I think the most important thing that I try and remember is bring it back to basics, which is good food from as, as much as possible from a great source or someone you trust. Because I really believe in, you know, what we're putting in. I, I want to know where that food comes from. I'm sort of a bit freaked out by the idea that, you know, what what could be in our food? You know, I'm just looking at this that we've got on our table that we're nibbling on now. And I know I can understand all the ingredients into that. Mm-hmm. So... And, and another thing is, yeah, it is a personal journey. Don't you just love that? A personal journey. <laughs> and, and also, don't forget as well, and it is a journey because it's not just you, your body, and how you digest food and what feels good for you versus me. We're similar ages. But um, we have, we're, we were saying we're both quite frazzled. We, we will have different stress levels from day to day, year to year. Um, when you're traveling, the climate, 
you know, you're popping off to wherever, you go to a hot climate, your body will want something different. Why do we crave things like melon, like only in the sun? Well, I'm talking about myself there. Yeah. I just land in a hot country and I'm like, where's the melon? Yeah. But I never wake up in Hackney on a Wednesday well, being it. like, oh, bit of melon. Maybe no. I should. <laughs> bit of melon in Hackney. <laughs> no, well, this is it. We, we, we create, we, it's, it's an environmental thing as much as anything else. You know, you're not going to eat loads of soup in, on the beach in the Maldives, yeah. should you be going there soon. No, it's, it's, I, I I, I, I'm fascinated by food. I I just went to an incredible event on... Oh my gosh, I can't even remember what day. I went to an incredible event. It was called the UK CEO Cook-Off. <gasps> I saw your... Did you see that? Yeah, and I saw Layla Cutlery Chronicles. Yes. Did you know her? Yeah, yeah. and I was watching um, you guys. Jamie Oliver was there, wasn't he? Well, it, exactly. It was his thing. And it's actually, you know, I think Jamie Oliver is a complete dude I mean the amount of his team as well I mean you've got to remember that everything he his his team are some of the most high energy enthusiastic loving people especially this guy called Danny McCubbin they have so many different things that they do obviously you know all the Jamie stuff that you see all day the TV shows the books and then they have so many foundations and projects and people they support and the ones that they don't even talk about and it was only because I was part of this event that I realized anyway cut a long story short it was about 40 chefs from Angela Hartnett to Jose Pizarro to Tim from Trulo Padello um who else was there Bill Granger who I love um, Anna Hansen from the Modern Pantry, list goes on. They were cooking with CEOs of, of companies. There was the CEO of McDonald's there, CEO of LucasAid and Ribena, and Jamie was talking about how they're cutting sugar by 50% in all their foods. And, and you know, there was a CEO of a woman called the Organic Cookery School where she teaches people how to cook from scratch. Anyway, the point is, I went to this event and they were all cooking together and the CEOs had to raise money and then they had 600 everyday heroes um, nurses, dinner ladies, head teachers from all up and down the UK who came to be literally sitting at the chef's table. So there was like 40 different stations and everybody cooked together and the, the CEOs had to cook with the chefs. So had all these men in suits and, you know, not that many women actually, but there were some amazing women CEOs um, cooking together for these people and they all had to raise money and they raised, I think, almost £600,000. Wow. My point was, going back to food, is I felt incredibly honoured to be there because I worked my way around the whole building. It was an old Billingsgate, eating everybody's food and going, these chefs are absolutely incredible. The the, the skill set, the attention to detail, the way they can churn out their food. And I'm very different from that. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested to be the person tasting the food. But I think what I like to do is teach people who've, a bit like what you said, a bit intimidated by food and go, do you know what? I only really started cooking about 10 years ago. It's brought me so much joy. It's made me feel better. It's it's something that I just really want to share. And then, you know, go and enjoy incredible restaurants. We live in the best city ever for eating all sorts of food. Yeah. We were just talking, we're both living in East London, that the food, I've just moved in, that the food levels here are insane and it's all families working in really small kitchens and, and cooking up their home favourites. Yeah. The lovely thing about food is because it is so sociable, because everybody eats three times a day, because food is such a pleasure but it's something we have to do and we live in London and we have such a diverse culture here and incredible communities. You can, I feel really lucky that I work in, my job is basically to eat amazing food, Mm -hmm. share it with other people, and then I get invited to share the next person's version of all of that. Um, And also, food is great because 
it's an easy way to fundraise and it's an easy way to get money across. So a bit like Jamie, Jamie's using his influence, I guess, at being, you know, kind of a, a trusted food guy to help raise loads of money. And then did you ever follow what was going on, what is going on with Cook for Syria? Yes, I was going to ask you about that. Yes. Oh, well, that is just another example of That's brilliant amazing. people. Yeah, so it's it's Clarkamar boy, um, who if you're not following him, uh, you need to be following him because he he will tell you the best places to eat in London from, you know, restaurants and pop-ups where you can seat three people at a time to massive big restaurants doing incredible um, tasting menus. He and Serena from Suitcase Magazine, which is a beautiful travel magazine, got together and they said one day shit what can we do for people in Syria let's do a fundraising event and because they've got such big brains big hearts and just pulling power and loads of contacts they said why do one night with one chef let's do I know you know six courses cooked by the six biggest chefs in London and did it sold tickets and then people couldn't come so then they said well let's get other restaurants around um, London to put a Syrian inspired dish so my sister and I we did at our cafe um, at Selfridges a Syrian lentil dish and every soup sold two pounds went straight to UNICEF and then they went let's take it to the next level so then they said let's get the recipes from everyone involved put it in a cookbook so then I said, okay, well, you know, do it with my publisher. And people said, do it with my publisher. And then the publishers couldn't, you know, because the the, the, the momentum was up, they couldn't get it published in time for Christmas. So then Clark and Wildboy and Serena were like, let's self-publish. I love it. And within about a month, they managed to turn it around and they've raised, I think it's coming up to about a million. It's now Cook for Syria is happening. It's just on Sydney and Melbourne. Um, it's going to LA and New York. So the power of food we all love to eat. We selfishly get to enjoy the good food. We then get to do something great for someone else. Do you feel like as well, like the fact that you've kind of got to this level of, you've got a platform now, you've got your amazing cafe in Selfridges, you've got, you know, on your third book, do you feel like having this voice has allowed you to help as well? I hope so. I hope it is helping. You never really know what, how it, how it translates exactly. Although what's amazing about charity and I mean charity not just a charity doing cha doing something for someone else you can anyone can do it at any point there's a great guy called Dave Burr and he has a Instagram but he's got a setup called do something for nothing and it is completely the idea of you just do it you do whatever you can to do things I think they're even having a meetup this weekend it's the idea that I mean lots of people have done this as well on various levels and always with successes what can I and, and, and moving away from food for a second although you know we'll come <laughs> back to it is the idea of what what can I do in any small way uh, that that brings me complete joy I grew up in an army barracks where everybody looked out for each other you know it was primarily the dads that were in the army so the mums and the kids it was very mums and kids there weren't really any, many men around and everybody looked after each other we were always popping in each other's houses looking after each other and I'm also from a Filipino family where, you know, you have six aunties, but then you also have everyone's an auntie or an mm -hmm. uncle and everybody looks out for each other. And every Friday, my mum and her aunties, well, her sisters and her non-sisters would all get together and they would what they called do the rosary. So it was different from going to church on a Sunday. They would pray together and everyone would come around with a dish each or the makings of a dish and get together and cook together. And then they would pray and then sometimes I'd go and pray with them and sometimes I'd wait for the food and then we would all sit and eat together. And I just love that. I love 
I love the getting together. Yeah, that's one sad thing I think about sometimes when we all do lead like such busy lives, especially living in a city. It's like you should eat with friends. Like, yeah. like it's quite I find it quite depressing cooking. Like I know that apparently you're meant to put effort into your own meals, even if it's just for you. Yeah. It's kind of an act of like self self care. Self care and like respect for your body and, and I've actually taken that advice on if if I'm cooking just for myself. I should make it still really nice. Yeah. Or what you could do is that I do. I am... Have you got a freezer? Yes. Okay, so what I do is I will... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that was such a good burp. Um, Sorry, we're just burping here. We're drinking three different drinks each. So if you don't... So what what you could do is next time you're in the mood for cooking, because sometimes we're not in the mood for cooking, make, make go big. Just go massive on whatever you're doing, be it a ragu or a soup or a stew, and then freeze it in portions so that when it is you on your tod, um, or if you, like me and my boyfriend, we're at home together, but at completely different times, or I'm always starving, and he's like, yeah, I'll eat in a couple of hours, and we have so many rows about it, so then I just eat by myself. What you can get good at is just having, get some more jars and put nice things in them, like seeds, toppings, mm. you know, you can, have, you, yeah. you can go and get your fresh pomegranate seeds or you can just get some nice dried fruit and get a lovely chilli oil and... Um, oh, and then like, like zhuzh it up Zhuzh it up, yeah. oh, exactly, nice. zhuzh it up. Um, you know, so then heat up your soup, your stew, whatever, and then, you know, toast some, some coconut flakes or some seeds, plonk it on top, chilli oil it up, you know, maybe even get a bit of lime zesting going on, yeah. fresh herbs. Or stir some fresh spinach in. And then it then it feels like something really new. I love the idea of leftovers being um, something to actually really look forward to. Not being that, oh God, I've got to finish that off in the fridge. Um, going back to mum and dad, you know, I, I, I'm obsessed with roast dinners because we didn't have them growing up. We just weren't really a roast dinner family. I guess my mum just didn't love making them. Um, but what we used to have on a Sunday instead was it was called Big Sunday Soup. Sometimes it was mm. Big Saturday Soup, but <laughs> mainly it was Big Sunday Soup. And it was just everything in the freezer, sorry, everything in the fridge in a in a um, massive pot with mm. shit loads of garlic. Nice. And it would always taste different because obviously whatever was in the fridge, it was like my favourite meal of the week. I'd really look forward to it. Other people thought we were so weird. Other kids, they'd be like, oh, we're having a roast. And, you know, um, crumble and custard. It's really nice though. Like it the comfort really nice. is big. I love soup. Yeah. But talking of family, yes. I wondered, because I've not, not met your sister. Have you not yet? No. Ah. And, um, and I wondered kind of from like a business perspective of just like working, I guess. I'm always interested in like, you know, how, how people actually do work. How how does it work? We um I get asked this a lot. Yeah, sorry, um, it's probably like no no no. Your... I love it. I love it. I'm fascinated by family psychology and just yeah. generally family businesses because you know back in the day this everybody was a family business. You if things got handed down, the butchers got handed down, the yeah. smiths got handed down. You just handed your families down. You know the funeral. My my boyfriend's family were in funerals. That was their their thing, and it was handed down and down. And he's now not in funerals. <laughs> he's <a> DJ. <laughs> um, but. Uh, where was I? Oh, so yeah, people go, oh, did you um, did you always want to work together? And honestly, we totally didn't. She's actually, I mean, it doesn't feel like it now. People always think I'm the older sister because I think that, I think I'm quite bossy. <laughs> <laughs> but she's actually almost six years older than me, and so we kind of, you know, when I was sixteen, she was twenty two, off at uni. So we kind of had we had a big enough gap that we were doing completely different things at different times. Um, and we were doing uh, different jobs and both loving it in completely different capacities. 
And we never once thought about working together. And then we went to Australia and learned to meditate in Australia. Mm. We didn't go to learn to meditate. We went to meditate. No, we didn't. (laughs) We didn't go to meditate. We went to enjoy Australia. And when we were there, we kept, we were in Sydney, we kept bumping into people who would say, loads of Brits in Sydney, oh, have you ever met this Australian guy called Gary? Um, (laughs) I'm like, no, no, no. They were like, oh, you should meet him, Gary. Gary. Um, (laughs) He, he's teaching people how to meditate. He's an ex-business owner, burnt out. Um, he's teaching people to meditate. Anyway, so we learned to meditate. Just because, you know, you're in Sydney, there's, we were there for quite a while. If someone had said, learn to meditate in London, I'd gone up far, far too little time to do that. But you, we just did it. And um, as we were there, learning to meditate, and meditation is incredible. And do you have, have you ever tried? I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. Are you into it? I'm actually meeting a friend later today who, like, is my meditation guide. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. But I'm a, new, I'm a newbie. Yeah. Well, I've been doing I don't it. want to be like Garrett. I don't want to be burnt out. Well, this is it. So, so I've been doing it for seven years. And, you know, sometimes I, I speak to people who I, I've done meditation, like, check-ins with. And, you know, when you meditate with more people, have you ever tried to do that? It's The feeling is more powerful. I do online group meditation. Oh, my God. So you know exactly what I so mean. So I feel like I'm doing it with other people, oh, but the, I'm doing yeah, it by myself. 100%. Um... So for anyone that doesn't meditate, I don't know, I'd love to hear what you think. It, even when I think I don't have time to meditate, even if I say to myself, I'll do five minutes, the benefits I feel from my breathing slowing down, mm. my heart slowing, my heart rate slowing down, my anxiety levels um, halving straight away, my head feeling a bit clearer, my positivity levels mm. shooting up. Does that... it's, yeah, and also it's a longer five, it's a long five minutes because... Yeah five minutes scrolling on your phone is, is, is like goes like that yeah. whereas don't you find that you realise time is slow yeah and you sit with yourself for all your good bits and bad bits mm. you sit with yourself and, the and thing you confront you yourself. confront you confront and they say to observe and not judge so you confront in a really kind way mm. rather than judge so for example I don't know if this sounds familiar to anyone probably Emma you mm. you sit there and you go I don't want to do this I'm too busy for this this isn't going to work. I'm closing my eyes, by the way. This is me <laughs> sitting down to meditate. Um, oh, when this is done, I need to do a million things. Um, oh, I'm knackered. I'm going to fall asleep while I'm doing this. This is pointless. Why do I bother doing this? So you sit there and these thoughts will go through your head. And what meditation teaches you is to let it happen. If you need to have these thoughts going through, let it happen. But for a moment, just stop with it. If you fall asleep during meditation, fall asleep Mm. but it's this idea of just taking stock for a moment so sometimes I just if I'm in a shit mood I'm like I'm not gonna do it and it's then when I need it the absolute most yes and I really find it helps and 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 someone someone will say oh um, I'm not good at meditating you can't be bad at it no and also it's like what I learned recently I did this like um an app I don't think it was Headspace, I think it was another one, but it was about how how to meditate with noise. Yes. And so I was actually on holiday in Portugal, but I was next to a building site. <laughs> there was some re- renovation going. So I was by the Always pool, the way. thinking like, I'm so zen. And this lorry just started like beeping and yeah. like... Reversing. And like, and like reversing <laughs> and like crushing concrete. And, and but the app was like taking your surroundings. And I was like, oh my God, I just found a, like a big truck reversing, rela- relaxing. Yeah. Like, that, that's not me. I'm normally the one screeching out of the window, like, shut up! You're ruining my holiday! Yeah. yeah. They, 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 they teach you to, um, you know, a good, a good moment to do it is perhaps, you know, in an ideal world, there's so many different ways to meditate, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, 
an ideal thing is 10 to 15 minutes if you can manage it and twice a day if you can manage that but I think the whole point is you don't beat yourself up yeah. if you can't and so for me a good time is on the tube so like if I know I've got <gasps> no way. yeah if I know I've got you know 20 10 stops on the tube I'll try and do 10 to 15 minutes and so oh my god that's really impressive I don't always do it though just I, to let you know I, I hate the tube so well, that could be life-changing it, it can be life-changing because you're in a position you're, you're you're you have to do it twice a day right so you're something that you've got to do you rather than sit on your emails and write type away on your emails being stressed on the tube where you're not happy do the meditation mm-hmm. see what happens and you're killing you're kind of getting the yeah. best out of the time that you kind of almost waste anyway um but I'll do it sometimes on the tube. Um, I'll do it in a... If I'm on a long journey, I get really car sick in journeys. I can't, you know, that really helps me out. And do you do it yourself or do you do it listening to something? It depends how I'm feeling. Sometimes, um, like I say, sometimes I'm, I feel like, oh, my meditation's not working at the moment or I'm so stressed out and nothing's really touching the sides. It's then that I might check in with... Um, an app or something like that mm. or for example I do these amazing yoga DVDs uh, we can do one later if you like oh my they'll God, just be happening it. in that room there because um, I never get time to go to yoga anymore and there's this one lady who's called Nadia Narain and she has like um, three 20 minute sessions of yoga sometimes I'm so knackered mm. even though I know that if I do the yoga I'll feel better I just sit and listen to her voice because I just find her super relaxing yeah. so I think the most important thing with general stress levels which we keep coming back to today don't we is find what works for you some days I feel like I can take it all on some days I actively look forward to meditating some days I hate it to be honest which I sounds awful but some days I don't want to sit with myself mm-hmm. some days I don't want to yes. confront myself some you know some days we don't like ourselves and you don't want to be quiet I'd also mm-hmm. say if you're ever if you're ever torn between a massive life decision whether it's a job a breakup or something meditation can really really help you out anyway so we were sitting on the beach we were eating incredible food in sydney we were drinking coconut water none of this was happening that we could see in london um we couldn't find the food that we liked in london and jazz and i've always been you can see from the way we grew up very much like eat at home type people we were just taught that eating at home was better cheaper blah 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 and we said why is there no cool restaurants of course there were some that serve healthy food but in a really delicious way there weren't many that we could think of um there weren't any that we frequented and then we said oh i wish we could eat like this at home i wish we could eat that food back in london we want to feel we want to feel as good as we feel on holiday back in london so when we got back to london we carried on with our jobs long story short an opportunity came up where someone said oh can you can you cook for me? And we were like, oh, do you mean like teach you how to cook? We're not cook cooks. Long story short, we started cooking for that person. He was in a big band, um, totally like friendly friends, friendly friends. And then the band were like, can you cook for us? By this time I was 23. I was like, I'm too old to go on tour. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, what, like world tour? It was or like, a European tour. Who was they the said, band? Can you, I can't say. Oh. You know what? We've never said. Really? Wow. And back in the beginning, when we first started doing things, people said, "Oh, you've got to name your celebrity clients because it's all about that now." And we said, mm, it "Feels a little bit." Yeah. Mm. They kind of become a bit like family friends, and you know, we go to their weddings, and we didn't really want to say it, and we thought good food speaks for itself, so we've never said it. And um, mm. but they're, they're lovely people, and 
we the reason they wanted to be cooked for is they wanted that energy that all of us always want they wanted to feel really good so that's how it came about and we did that for a couple of years back then seven years ago there really wasn't much like I know people kind of I know sometimes it goes too far the other way because I'm definitely I'm definitely the person who wants to eat good food like I said as like a fuel for my lifestyle and I feel like it's okay to be in this middle ground and then kind of enjoy it all but I would just say like parody it now it's not oh yeah someone just said it must be weird for you guys it's like the kind of like you were saying like the old school ones to see how the industry's gone a bit crazy well in a way I get it because I've not like I said I didn't mean to set out to be in food and you know, as I said also before, you know, I don't, I don't get, I've chosen to not get offended mm. by people taking the piss because I, I take the piss out of people. I take the piss out of myself all the time. So, and I agree, there's always extremes and you can say that about absolutely everything. Take the green smoothie, for example. You know, I would probably say after this, I'm going to make you a green smoothie and I know you're going to like it. But I will also say, you don't have to like green smoothies. Mm. A green smoothie is just one way of eating lots of green vegetables, right? Also, you I don't think have to like it. I also think, like, I need to confront my own judgments on it. The thing is, is, you know, I used to roll... Let's be honest, I used to roll my eyes at people that meditated. I used to think, uh, we all have our ideas of what things are. There's so many things I'm completely disinterested in. Mm. You know, for example, nightlife and nightclubs. My boyfriend's a DJ. I can't think of anything worse than going to a nightclub... <laughs> You know, even though I love to dance, I love music, yeah. and I I love letting loose. It's just not my thing. And I, yeah. you know, I roll my eyes at some of the things he loves. I used to laugh at meditation. I, I I really choose, and actually, that's a thing I think that meditation has taught me, and also been doing this for seven years. I actively choose to not get offended mm-hmm. because I think I'm a bit of a sensitive person. I think most of us are. You know, no one ever wants to see someone... For example, the spiralizer, right? Mm. I've seen so many people take the piss out of the spiralizer. Why, why do people take the piss out of that? Because, I mean, it's, it's actually really genius. Well, I think so. Maybe it's, it's, it's just based, something easy to take the piss out of. It's so easy to take the piss out of. But the funny thing is, I've also seen two people take the piss out of it and then do spiralizer <laughs> <And make> recipes, <laughs> which... That does make me laugh. See, but it this also... is what I find interesting because I'm that person Are you? that took the mick out of like anything <laughs> like that. Like my sister loves spiralising. My sister is like your biggest fan. She came around and, and brought her spiralizer around. <laughs> she bring few... it around with her. <laughs> like in her handbag. Um, a few months ago when we were living together, she lived, yeah. with, she lived with me before she moved into her flat. So she was in the flat for two months. And just spiralising away for two months. Spir- <laughs> literally just spiralising away. And I was like... Oh my god, this is one of the best meals I've ever had. Oh really? That's and good. I just thought I need to unpick that judgment because yeah. once I'm in it, I love it. Yeah. But when you're on the outside going, well, I would never do that. Yeah. What's that about? Oh, I don't know. But I feel like I'm in therapy confessing to you that we, like yeah. I've, you know, changed. <laughs> we, I th- I think it's just embracing it all. I'm trying to think of loads of things that I've rolled my eyes at over the years and maybe then got it's into. A, maybe it's a defense mechanism. Like maybe I was mocking people who were into fitness and, and like in smoothies because deep down I was like, maybe I need to really think about what I'm putting into my body. I don't know. I don't know. So how did you feel after that run? Amazing. Euphoric. I was, we, we were, before the run, we were warming up and I was laughing at the people like dancing and like doing their warm up. Did they do high fives? They, I used to laugh at people that I, did and, high fives and, and now I love high fiving. Yeah, yeah and, <laughs> and literally I was walking around my sunglasses on like the Grinch. I was like, I hate this. I hate how happy everyone is. I hate how they're doing their stupid lunges yeah. to this stupid song. I feel like I'm in a Eurovision song contest. Yeah. I was like, 
muttering away and my friend was like oh this is hilarious I mean this was the point of the article of writing an article for I think a magazine about you yeah. know my first run or whatever and by the end I was grinning through the finish line yeah. I had that warm glow of like feeling energetic I'd got up at 6am and by the night time I was still buzzing and I just felt like why was I why was I so judgy about this yeah Cool. So. I'm very pleased to hear that. Yeah. I shall be running around East London with you then. <laughs> I think the night, I think the great thing about social media is a lot of the time I'll see, I'll get inspiration. I'll see someone doing something cool and I'll go, oh, I might quite like to see that. Equally, I see things and I go, that's not for me. And I think the older I get, the more I know what I like and don't like. I mean, yeah. as I was saying this weekend, I can't wait to just be on the sofa with my mum. Oh episode, no! So, so, I know, it's so annoying. This has been so fun. So I guess <laughs> last question is, kind of a bit of a how's 2017 been going what are you looking forward to to the rest of the year and I guess that's a segue into like new projects or just stuff that you're really pleased that you've been doing or like what are you excited about oh well okay so I'm, I'm I'm buzzing about loads of things I think I actually I'm quite I'm quite enjoying a decision I've just made is to potentially see how it goes take quite a lot of August off because do you find every August rolls around and everyone f's off don't they anyway so it's quite hard to get a lot done obviously we're freelancers we're always working really we're always planning even if you're catching up on your admin but you do notice those lulls and I think August is a bit of a like sorry in a way yeah out of office out Out of office office. so I think I'm gonna really my dream scenario is to work really hard but really effectively the whole year and potentially take August off and really do something cool that I've never done before maybe learn something or go and do something very new I haven't worked out what it is suggestions please something really life enhancing chilled and wonderful the rest of the time I'm I'm just I finished writing my new cookbook oh what's it gonna be called it's called bit of a mouthful it's called eat happy (laughs) I always feel like I've got to do my jazz hands when I do that eat happy um 30 minute feel good food that is a mouthful try and say that 30 minute feel good food (laughs) nice yeah you do have to think about it and and that basically sums up everything we talked about is you know like food food in a hurry without a stressy hurry um and food that makes you feel good so i've loved writing that um and is that both of you or is that that's just me actually yeah it's just me it's just me um is that is is that scary exciting but weird it's scary exciting weird it's also really brilliant because in many ways, we didn't actually go back to the off the tangent of working together. In many ways, working with um, your loved one, your sister, your business partner, whoever, it's great because you bounce off ideas. But it's also really cool, a bit like meditation, to confront your own decision making. It can be really easy to kind of take it to a vote or go, shall we do this or not do this? And whatever both people think. So I've really enjoyed the kind of the autonomy to just go, I really believe in that. Let's do that. Um, and obviously totally still together doing our books. We've got our cafe, but this is my real passion project, this eat happy book. Um, and it's not out till next year. And I wanted it, I wanted to write it at, at length, that piece and bring it out next year to enjoy the summer. I've just been whip sitting in my house at the moment, aren't we? We've been renovating it for nine months. It's an old bomb damaged Victorian house. Um, I need to save up and do the back bit. That's going to be a life a life project. I want to grow a veg garden in the mm. back. I've well, never definitely got space. Yeah, it's I've huge. never grown veg ever, so I'm looking forward to doing that. So I just think anything. I, I, I'm really looking forward to. I don't know. To, I think 2017 for all its tragedies and the many awful things that are happening. That I feel. I feel a lot of us that 
myself included, really worrying about the future. And I think the more that we can control the things we can, which is doing so many nice things for other people in the way that suits us, the better. We'll all be okay if we just look out for each other a little bit. And my way will be through making soup for someone. Yeah. Oh, Melissa, thank you so much. Thanks, what a lovely note to end on. We'll go and get some lunch now, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I love it, number 70. Woo! Woo!